Just by way of context, uh, let me throw a couple of things your way. Look, it, it looks like Acts is written around about AD 62 to 64, somewhere around there. Um, it, was, uh, it was in the thick of the early church that it was written. And one thing that you actually might find fascinating is, uh, and we'll get to this in a minute a little bit more, but Luke actually wrote the Gospel of Luke and Acts. And if you look at sheer tonnage, um, the writings of Luke are bigger than the writings of John, the disciple John, and they're actually bigger than the writings of Paul. So what we're actually looking at is we're looking at a part of, uh, of, of Luke's writings, and, and you've, only, uh, you've only got two books there. You've got the Gospel of Luke and you've got Acts. And like you're just looking at something that's around about, between those two, 30% of the New Testament is, uh, is Luke, right? So it's pretty significant. In fact, we'll get to this in a minute. There was a, uh, a sceptical uh, um, archaeologist called uh, William Ramsey uh, years and years ago. And he, he said this, he, he said, I'm going to go down to the Middle East because if I can prove Luke wrong in the Gospels and in Acts we get rid of Jesus and we get rid of the early church and it's pretty much done for Christianity. So he went down to the Middle East and he got saved. He gave his life to Jesus and he actually came out it's quite a famous quote, and he said uh, that Luke is a, an historian of the highest rank, basically, is what he said. So really significant stuff. You've got this, uh, this guy, Luke, who's uh, writing some really helpful stuff, some really significant stuff for, uh, about Jesus and then about the early church. So Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, he was eating with them. He gave them this command. Sorry, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, even Australia. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing that this person of Jesus starts in the Middle East and there's believers in Australia now who worship him and love him and know that he loves them. Now, according to um, Christian tradition, uh, the, the, uh, the book of Acts was written by Luke, okay? But who was Luke? Well, Luke was actually a companion of Paul and he was a doctor. So can you go across to Colossians 4 verse 14? I'm going to give you lots of Bible today. Colossians 4 verse 14. Colossians written by Paul. 
You'll notice there in verse 14, it's probably, it's probably not a verse that you've memorised, all right? and you probably don't have it on your mirror or on your fridge. Uh, Luke, this is Colossians 4 verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Go across to Philemon, 23 to 24. Some of you are going, is that even a book? It is. Philemon's got one chapter, Philemon. By the way, if you're, if you're uh, struggling to find some of these books, the contents page is always a good place to dive into. Uh, works like any other contents page in a book. Philemon 23 to 24. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Go across to 2 Timothy 4 verse 11. The T's are easy to find. All the T's in the New Testament are kind of together at the end there. So if you find one, uh, the others are going to be close by. 2 Timothy 4 verse 11. Paul writes this, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you for he is very useful to me for ministry. So what are we getting a picture of here? We're getting a picture that Luke hangs out with Paul, he assists Paul, and he works alongside Paul in the gospel work that Paul's up to. All right? The other thing that we learn here, just straight from Scripture, is that Luke was a, a doctor. So we're not, I'm not particularly surprised that when a doctor writes history that he's going to do pretty well at writing history. That might be something that you would expect from a doctor. But what's, what's, Luke's, what's Luke up to in writing the book of Acts? What's he trying to do? So can you go back to Acts chapter 1 again? Let's just have another quick look at verse 1 to 5 of uh, Acts chapter 1 again. Let's just start in verse 1 there. In my former book, Theophilus. So what, what does that tell you straight away? It tells you straight away what you're dealing with is a sequel. That's what, you're dealing, that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with the next part of the story. And how do you know what this book is a sequel to? Well, one of the ways you can, you can find that out is by the guy Theophilus. If you can find another book that's got Theophilus' name at the start of it, um, you've probably got the other book, aside from church tradition and those kinds of things. So can you go across to Luke chapter 1? Now, Theophilus is a really hard name to say, especially if you say it a bunch of times in a row, right? But it's got a cool meaning. And the cool meaning is friend of God or loved by God. Right? That's what Theophilus means. Where does this guy Theophilus actually show up? Well, if you go to Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 1, uh, Luke writes this, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent, everyone say it? Yeah, you did well. That you may have certainty concerning the things you've been taught. What's Luke saying? He's going, I'm, I'm just going to talk to a bunch of eyewitnesses, I'm going to write this stuff down, and I'm doing it for my friend Theophilus. And uh, it's a bit of an indicator probably that he, he gets called most excellent Theophilus because he's probably uh, quite high ranking. All right? Go back across to... Um, Acts chapter 1 for me. Acts chapter 1. Now the cool thing about this is uh, Luke tells you what 
gives you a summary in Acts chapter 1 of what the point was of him writing Acts. Sorry, of him writing Luke, I should say. If you go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. All right? That's, that's his summary, really. I mean, he goes on and talks a little bit more about that. But basically, that's his summary. of This is why I wrote this other book over here, so that you could see uh, everything that Jesus said and did. Uh, verse 2 there, until the day he was taken up to heaven. All right? So you, you get this sense there that Luke's going back here. I told you about what Jesus said, what he did, until he got taken up into heaven. Now, why... Does there need to be a sequel? Well, God's still moving, all right? And, and in movie speak, here's my, uh, here's my answer to that question. You have a sequel because the story's not over. That's why you do it. I mean, you have a movie that doesn't have a sequel. It's kind of a story in itself. You have a movie that has a sequel or multiple sequels. There's just more stuff that you need to find out about the characters and what's going on. You need to know more about the story. And you just need to know that Luke was doing something novel in his day. You know, it was clear that the stuff that Jesus was up to just wasn't finished. And this book is actually going to be about, the book of Acts is going to be about Jesus continuing his work. You know, the, the, uh, the promise in Luke 24 from Jesus um, was that Jesus said to them, you stay in the city because the Holy Spirit's actually going to come and fill you up and you're going to keep doing a whole bunch of stuff. So the bottom line here is that what we've actually got in the book of Acts is Jesus is going to keep doing his work, but he's not going to do it in person anymore. He's going to do it through his people. Now, what's the main thing that they're going to be doing? Or if you look in Acts chapter 1 there, the main thing that uh, they're going to be doing is they're actually going to be bearing witness. That's what they're going to be doing. Acts is about God's people being filled with the Holy Spirit, having power, and then bearing witness. It's about the early church growing. You know, the way that this whole thing is going to happen is because the Spirit's going to fill them. So it it raises the question, (laughs) is it better to have Jesus in person or not? I mean, there's, there's probably most of us who, uh, who love Jesus and follow Jesus, you probably had that moment, I wish I could just sit down with him and have a yarn. You know, shake hands, uh, side hug, whatever your thing is. All right? You just wish you could just have a chat with him, just find out what's going on here now. Is, is it better to have Jesus in person or not? Come with me to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. I'm just going to read verse 4 to 11. John chapter 16. This is Jesus speaking here. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Listen to this. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see 
me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So do you, do you agree with Jesus? <laughs> All right. Now, now what, that, what must that be like? Like if, if, if a bunch of us kind of, we sit sometimes, we just go, it'd be really good to have Jesus here in person. I'm with you on that. But Jesus says to you, it's actually to your advantage if I go. It's to your advantage if you don't have me physically here. What does that mean about the gift of the Spirit and what he's going to do around the place? I mean, it's going to be way better than having Jesus physically present in person. That's what Jesus is saying. You know, and, and look, I'm just, I, I want to challenge you and, and not because you've fallen short or something. It's like, is, is, that, is that where you're at? Like, do you see it that way? Do you just go, this is really good. I get up tomorrow morning and, and I love Jesus and I'm one of his kids. And so what he promises me is, my, is his spirit is going to be in me and I'm going to be empowered and I'm actually going to have strength to do some stuff tomorrow that I wouldn't be able to do if Jesus was here in person. I'm going to have a helper tomorrow that's going to be more powerful and significant than having Jesus here in person. Do you believe that? Yes. Who believes that? Absolutely. Come on. And folks, John, uh, yeah, that was good. John 16, this is the era that we live in, right? This is the era. It's the, it's, it is not the era of Jesus being physically present like he was in the first century. This is the era of the Spirit. This is the era of Jesus doing his work through the Spirit. Now, I want to finish this little intro to Acts this morning by looking at the end of the book of Acts, right? But let me just set it up for you uh, for a few moments first. Before we get to the end of Acts, one thing I really want you to look out for is just how abrupt the ending is, right? It's just a really abrupt ending. Paul's been sent to Rome on a ship. He gets wrecked. He finally makes it to Rome. There's a couple of details and then bam, like Acts is actually finished we don't find out what happens to Paul but that's kind of classic kind of Acts style because the book actually isn't about Paul it's about Jesus and about his work go to Acts chapter 28 verse 30 to 31 these are the last two verses of the book talking about Paul he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Bam, that's it. That's like the end of it. And it's like, what happens? Does he, does he get out of jail? I mean, we know from church tradition that he gets uh, martyred, he gets executed, but it's like, does, does that happen then? Or how long does that, how long till that happens? And why didn't you talk about that? And what's happening with the rest of the early church? It's like, it just, that's where it ends. That's where it finishes. I think Luke is setting something up for us. He's setting up the fact that it's not done. The work of Jesus is not done. And do you know something? It's still not done. Until Jesus comes back, it's still not done. I mean, many of you have heard, us, heard of us talk about the Acts 29 church planning network. There isn't chapter 29 in the book of Acts, right? We are 29. <laughs> We're 29 right now. That's all we are. The Spirit is still here and Jesus is still up to his work. And I think the reason why uh, Luke finishes the book of Acts so abruptly is because we're not done. 
There's more sequels to come. And this happens to be, in our day and age, this happens to be the day where the Spirit is inside of God's people and he's going to write the next chapter of the church. The story continues. The Spirit in us, witnessing to the world, the work of Jesus, he's still here. You see, it doesn't just work back then. You know, they waited for the power of the Spirit to come. And it felt like Jesus had gone and then the Spirit showed up. It's like, no, Jesus is still here and he's still busy and he's still doing stuff. You know what? He's still here now. That's why this series is called He's Still Here. He's still up to stuff. And it's good for us to be looking for the things that Jesus is up to by the Spirit around the place. And it's exciting. I mean, you should get up tomorrow morning with a spring in your step. Even if you're having a hard time, a rough time, and you're struggling to drag yourself out of bed, you get up in the morning and you just go, okay, well, Jesus is still here and his spirit's still in me and he's still doing stuff around me, so there's reason to have hope. I was talking to someone yesterday and uh, I said this to them. I said, you know what? While ever Jesus is alive and he's never going to die, they tried to kill him, and, kill him and it didn't work, all right? Because it never works. Like when you're the author... And the source of all life, you can't, you can't kill him. You can kill a body, but you can't kill him. You know, while ever Jesus is alive, there is always hope. Always. Always, always, always. And he's not just still alive. He's active inside of me, inside of you, and inside of everyone who loves him because his spirit is in them. And he's going to do stuff. So you get up and you just go, okay, what, what's he going to do? So you might get used to that, right? Sometimes in the church we get used to that stuff, right? But you ought to get out of bed in the morning and just go, okay, uh, what's he going to do today? You know, uh, God, is, God is the, uh, the only, uh, the technical term is non-contingent being in the universe, which means he's the only being that is not dependent on anything or anyone. And so he just does as he pleases and he's good which means that he always does good and he's powerful and he's promised he's going to be up to stuff tomorrow. So get up in the morning and go looking for it. It's not like, is he going to do anything today? Yes, he's going to do something today. Of course he's going to do something. Go looking for it. He's still here.